Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. tell you a little story about that video and all the videos that you've seen recently. Taylor, are you in here? She's like, stop talking. Taylor was our kids pastor for seven years and she did an absolutely phenomenal job of setting a foundation for this church, for our kids ministry. And the sacrifices that she made were enormous. And uh, when she was, knew that her time was, was ending in this season of her life, we were having these discussions, and she's like, I, I just don't know what I, like, what am I supposed to do after this? You know, when you've done something for seven years, it, like, it gets in your DNA, and she'd actually done it a lot longer than that, because she'd done it previously, too, and, and I remember several of us just talking to her and saying, you God, will, he'll show you, like, he won't, he's not just going to be like, oh, Taylor's done now, and, and forget about you, and then she started to take photos and make these videos. And she made the first one and we were all like, what? What? We've been looking for you for seven years. (laughs) And I want to use that example. This actually isn't the, the main point of my message, but I felt like I was supposed to say this. The body of Christ, the church, needs your gifts. Even if they feel small, Don't ignore them. We have been praying for someone to play keys for seven years. So I think sometimes we overlook a hobby or an interest and we brush it off as that when it's actually the thing, the hobby or the interest is the thing that the church needs. So don't ignore your hobby or your interest. And by church, I don't just mean these four walls or this church or Sunday morning church. I mean the body of Christ needs you. The body of Christ needs your gift, your interest, your hobby. That's how we serve each other Saturday all the way through to Sunday. I didn't embarrass you too bad, right? Okay. So we're kicking off a new series today called Dark Corners, and I know that probably seems a little ominous, a little like, don't, 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 but don't worry, it's not. It's actually the complete opposite of that. And the last time that I was up here and preached, I talked about John the Baptist and how, like him, we are called to be forerunners. In this season, before the second coming of Jesus, we are called to be the ones to take the gospel out and prepare people for Jesus' coming. I also talked about how the light is breaking upon us, both the morning light, meaning Jesus, but also natural light. And we all started noticing light. This was, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I got tons and tons and tons of photos of all the light that you were seeing. So all of those photos that you see, that you saw in that video, those were from all of you and from all of us and all of the light that we were seeing. And I want you to keep doing that, okay? I want you to keep noticing the light and sending them to us, tagging the church, hashtag noticing light, because there's something really significant about what God is doing with light right now. 
And when we notice the light, when we see the light, we're actually not just seeing a natural light from the sun or the moon. We're seeing a reflection of the Father himself. And so it changes our spiritual perception when we notice natural light. One thing that I've learned over many years of leading is that God doesn't just usually give us a one-and-done message. Like, here's a shot, here's a, here's a message, and then move on. He usually keeps bringing us back to the same thing over and over and over again until it sticks. Just like our kids, right? If you're a parent, you give them instructions over and over and over again until one day they get it. You're like, wow, they got it. And you don't have to give them that instruction anymore. So I wasn't really that surprised when God brought back the topic of light. The concept for this series, Dark Corners, came up last fall when I was reading. And this verse jumped out at me. It's the verse that started that video. We're going to focus in on it. And actually, in my notes, I wrote, hmm, this might be a series on light, Dark Corners, maybe a series. That was last fall. So I want us to lean into this concept a little bit more. I want us to to pause for a moment and say, Lord, what is it that you're trying to reveal to us about light? I think the Holy Spirit, no, I know the Holy Spirit is speaking something profound to us right now in this season. During run-through earlier, a couple hours ago, I was standing halfway back as the band was rehearsing, and we call it rehearsing, but it's really not. It's just worshiping. And I almost fell over because the power and the presence of God was so powerful and strong. God wants to do something in us if we're willing, if we're hungry, if we're ready. So our text from, for today is from Luke 11, and if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, go ahead and turn there. We're going to go back to this verse throughout the whole message so you can dog ear it or mark it or something. And in this particular passage, this is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to all of these, to his disciples and then to all of the crowds that had gathered there. So we're going to start in verse 33, Luke 11, verse 33. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. So we're going to zoom in on some of these things today. Why is Jesus talking about light and lamps? And who is he talking to? Well, the verses just before this in Luke 11 say this. There were crowds gathered around him and they pressed in to hear him. He was talking to people and bringing them his his presence and his spirit and filling them up and they pressed in 
to hear what he had to say. And that's what I wonder about all of us. Are we so desperate to hear what Jesus has to say that we're pressing in? That we're saying, I gotta get a little bit closer. I gotta hear what my Father is saying. Are we so eager to hear the voice of our Father that we press in to hear him? Because, see, just like Jesus was with them there, he is with us here. Different, yes, because he was there in physical form. But he actually said, it's better if I go away and I send the Holy Spirit to you. So we've even got it better than what they had. So he is here with us. And listen, his words, this word, it never goes out of style. It never is void. It cannot be canceled. It is the truth, and it is full of life, and it is living and active, and it will change your life. But you have to press in. This is not a Sunday morning only kind of church. And if you are coming here to check a religious box, you will be sorely disappointed. Because this is a church that is always going to challenge you to press in. To say, Father, what are you saying to me? What needs to be cut out of my life so that my life can be filled with radiant light? It's interesting because the Apostle Matthew actually writes about this very same event where the people were pressed in. But he starts his account with this. You are the light of the world. See, Jesus came as the light, right? Zechariah, who was John the, John the Baptist's father, prophesied this about Jesus before Jesus was here on earth. He said, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. I don't know about you, but that phrase just like gives me chills from the top of my head all the way down to my toes. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. They had no idea what that meant. We know. We know. So we actually get to anticipate with even greater anticipation than what they understood was happening. And then Jesus himself in John 8 said, I am the light of the world. But then we have Jesus in Matthew saying, saying to all of the people and saying to us, you are the light of the world. And I love the tension of that. Like This isn't us saying we are Jesus. This is Jesus saying in John 14, I am the light of the world and I am in you and you are in me. And because of that, you are also the light of the world. You actually get the same title as Jesus. He is the light of the world. You, you, I am the light of the world. And then Peter in the early church, the church had started and Jesus had gone back up to be with his father. And Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a royal priesthood. A spiritual nation set apart, different, called out as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. This is why Jesus talks about what you do with a light. What do we do with this light that we've been given? You don't hide it. You don't cover it up. 
You let it shine so it gives light to everyone near you. You turn on a light to eliminate darkness. Right? I think we can all relate to walking into a room, a dark room, and we're just like, if I could just find the light switch. Like, where's the light switch, you know? You're running your hand around the wall, and then you find it, and you turn it on. That's what we are in this world. We're a light that eliminates the darkness because of Jesus. So I know that this is a message that we're all, you know, I think many of us are pretty familiar with. We've heard it a lot of times. We're the light of the world. We're not supposed to hide our lights. You know, we're up on a hill. We've heard all of that. And I think if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, you're probably very aware of the darkness that's around us. It's not hard to miss. So I'm not actually going to spend a ton of time right here because if you know Jesus, you are a light and your light is turned on. And it's up to you to let that light be seen. It's up to you whether or not you're letting your light be seen. Or are you blocking it with something that causes only a shadow of that light to be seen? Let's make sure that we're not just shadows of light, but lights that are fully turned on, cranked up all the way to the brightest levels. When we were growing up, we had this awesome big house in this huge family room, and uh, I remember at one point, we had, my parents had added can lights into the ceiling, and we had lamps around the room, and when those can lights were turned on, and they were soft light, it was before LEDs, David, um, <laughs> and uh, the lamps would be turned on, and it would just be so warm and inviting, and I was the oldest of seven kids, and so at an inappropriately young age, cared about that kind of stuff. <laughs> People would be coming over, and I'd go around and make sure all the lamps were turned on right. And I've always loved light, always. But then we had this giant rectangle in the wall where previously a fish tank had been. Not my family. We didn't have a fish tank. Blech, gross. But the people before us did. And above the fish tank was this gigantic fluorescent light. And when you would turn that on... All of a sudden, the room would no longer be warm and inviting, but you could literally do heart surgery in the room. And it made a sound. Do you remember the sound? It was like, and it never stopped until you turned the light off. So being the aesthetic person that I am, we'd have people coming over, and I'd go turn all the lights on. And then my, my sweet dad which I kind of get it now because he was probably about my age when this was happening. And I get like your eyes start to change and you're like, can somebody just please turn on the lights? <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm always like, it's so dark in here, David, turn off the lights. He would go over and everybody was like coming to the door and he'd go, and the light would turn on and it would just, the, the whole atmosphere would just change. So he and I would, I, I was obedient, and I didn't want to ruffle any feathers, so I would just wait till he'd gone out of the room, and then I'd go over, and I'd turn it back off. Not kidding you, 10 minutes later, we'd be in there with all of our friends, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, it's really dark in here, and he'd go over. <laughs> it was never-ending war with my, I don't think he even to this day knows, he would laugh about it now. 
But here's my point. The world needs our warm and inviting light. It doesn't need our bright, fluorescent, judgmental, glaring light that points out all of people's wrongdoings. Warm, inviting light of Jesus pulls people in. It makes them feel comfortable so they can sit at your table and open up and share their stories with you without fear of having surgery done by the person that's not supposed to do the surgery. You hear me? We as people are trying to do surgery on people when it is not our job. It is only the job of the Holy Spirit. Listen, this does not mean that we do not speak truth. We absolutely 100% have to and will speak truth. But we will do it in a way that draws people in. So let's make sure that when we're bringing the light of Jesus, we're bringing the warmth of the light of Jesus. Luke 11, verse 33. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. It's easy to read this and just stop. Oh, you can take the pad down. We're not there yet. Come on, Brian, you know me better than that. I'm only 12 minutes in. It's easy to read this and stop with the very basic teaching of this scripture. The very basic teaching of we have to be careful what we look at. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And that's often how this, this scripture is, is taught. And, and that's not wrong, but it's only a tiny piece of it. It's only a part of it. So I want us to look at Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse 1 through 7. This is in the garden. Right after God had created the world and the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So here's the deeper meaning to that Luke 11 verse. It's actually about our spiritual perception. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit that they were told not to eat, their spiritual eyes were open, and what they saw changed everything. 
See, they suddenly saw all that God from that point had protected them from. And because their eyes were opened, they started to experience shame and regret. Their eyes being opened to both good and evil caused a separation between them and God for the rest of mankind until Jesus came. And I think what Jesus is telling us in this is how you see truth affects everything. Your perception of truth, how you see it, causes your whole body, your mind, your will, and your emotions to be healthy or your whole body to be unhealthy. It matters how you see it. See, the message in this part of Luke 11 isn't just limited to don't look at porn or don't watch trashy TV shows or guard your eyes. Those are all very important things. And yes, we are called to do that. But it's an even deeper meaning of are you looking for the light? Are your eyes fixed on the spiritual realm of heaven? Because when they are, that's when your whole entire body, your whole being is filled with light. But the opposite of that is that when your eyes are fixed on the world, when your eyes are consumed with all of the things that the world would say are valuable, you very quickly become filled with and consumed by darkness. It's either light or darkness. Well, actually, there is a third choice. It's trying to hover right in between light and darkness. But here's what Jesus said about that. Matthew 18, if your hand clings to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If your foot continually steps onto sin's path, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter into heaven crippled and maimed than to have both hands and feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye is always focusing on sin, pluck it out. And throw it away. For it is better for you to enter into heaven with one eye than to be thrown into hellfire with two. This is Jesus. Like, this is an Old Testament crazy laws. This is Jesus. Current day commands. We can't hover. If we are a follower of Jesus, we cannot hover with one foot in the world and one foot in the light. You will be a messed up, false representation of Jesus. And he does not need that. And people who are in darkness do not need that. They need you fully in the light. This next verse, Luke eleven thirty five. 35, it actually, it stopped me in my tracks when I read it. I went back and reread it several times, like, what did that say? And it has held my attention for months. I've thought about it for months. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Just let that one sit there for a minute. And I had to ask myself this question. Is there anything in my life 
that I think is light that is actually darkness. Here's a PSA. Satan uses our love of light, a love of light that's a really good and right thing. He uses our love of light so often to deceive us. See, Satan rarely comes as this dark, menacing, obvious evil form. I want to be very clear, that also exists. The enemy is evil and dark, and it comes in really horrific ways. But he often uses just enough truth to intrigue us, to pull us in. Then he takes it and he distorts it and he twists it into something that sounds like truth and light, but is actually darkness. He is called the great deceiver. That's what deceivers do. They deceive. He did this with Adam and Eve. He took the simple instruction that God gave them, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and he said, but did God really say that you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Do you see how he twisted it? He used a partial truth to deceive and convince Eve that it was actually okay to eat the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. Did God really say that? Did God really say that marriage should be between a man and a woman and nothing else? Or is it just what feels right to you? Did God really say that wives are supposed to honor and respect their husbands? Or is it only when your husband's acting the way that you want them to act? Did God really say, children, honor your parents? Or is it only when your parents have provided an emotionally stable upbringing? Did God really say, forgive 70 times 7? You guys, that is 490 times for the same thing. Or is it only when they're discern, deserving of forgiveness? Did God really say that? See, the devil has used deception and twisting of God's truth to manipulate us since the very first people were here on earth. It's his tactic. And Paul, I love how Paul puts this. He's he's teaching the Corinthians about this. He's talking to this church that was sort of getting caught up in some of this false teaching because people had begun to take the pure and simple gospel of Jesus. Like they weren't that far removed from it. They couldn't have forgotten that much, but they had started to take it and twist it to make it something that was sounded like truth, but actually wasn't truth. And Paul says, says to the Corinthians, he said, these people are false apostles, They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised by this. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. 
See, everything that Satan does is a counterfeit to what God has already done. He has no new ideas himself. He is a cheap replica of everything that he's seen God do and of God's design. So I ask us again, be careful that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. So many things in our world today masquerade as light, but are actually darkness. It's very simple, but we have people, we as people, we've made it way more complicated than it actually is. But I think that's been part of the devil's scheme, too. If I can make this confusing, if I can use words that make them misunderstand, if he can get us to overcomplicate the truth and we question more than we trust, our minds become confused. I am not saying don't question. God welcomes questions. But whenever you find confusion, you also find the enemy at work. So I asked the Holy Spirit, how do we know the difference? How do we tell if it's light or darkness masquerading as light? And I felt the Lord give me three things, WWW, and a no, it is not the World Wide Web. (laughs) I wrote that in there first as a joke, and then I was like, oh, actually, there's something to that. See, I would suggest to you that many times we go to the internet or we go to social media to find truth. And while it's there, a lot of it is there, and there's a lot of good there, we get so distracted in our search for truth, so distracted by the opinions and the noise of all of of it that we don't actually get to the truth. We get darkness masquerading as truth. See, distraction has become one of the devil's greatest weapons against us. If he can keep us distracted, he can keep us from freedom. So the very first W is worship. Listen to this. Romans 1. This is Paul writing to the Romans, the the Jesus-believing Romans. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Connor, I'm going to pick on you for a second. Where are you? I didn't ask his permission. I'm sorry. Okay. So... Last night, we were having dinner with Connor and Emma, and, and Connor was telling us, they were telling us their testimony, which is, whoo, can't wait for y'all to hear it. But uh, he said, I never, I, like, I didn't notice creation before. I didn't notice the sunrise or the sunsets. Or, or, and he said, and then, and then God radically rescued him, like, not that long ago. <laughs> and he said... Now, a sunset, the sky will stop me in my tracks, and all I can do is give praise and thanks to Jesus. That's what this means. From the beginning of time, God has made it obvious to us that he's the creator. 
It says, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, listen, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere men and birds and animals and reptiles. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him or even give him thanks. How do you tell the difference between light and darkness masquerading as light? You worship Worship is required to tell the difference. And listen, worship is not just limited to singing. Yes, that's one piece of it. But worship is adoration for your creator. Worship is a thankful heart. Worship is surrendering your pride. Enough that you posture yourself in a way that says, he is God and I am not. And I will show him by the position of my body, by the uplifting of my hands, by the laying on my face, by the getting on my knees. By something that says, you are God and my pride is surrendered to you. Worship is listening to his voice. I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say to me, there are some people in this room that if they were to enter into a posture of worship, he would set them free from the thing that's holding them back. See, a heart of worship is putting him above yourself. Listen, false light won't last in the midst of true worship. It can't. That verse also goes on to say, or even give him thanks. Try using thankfulness to eliminate heaviness in your life. This past week, my car, which has just had endless problems, but bad time to buy a car right now. It started to do its thing again, and it was like hormonal time of month, something. <laughs> and at first, my reaction was like, you know, the warning lights. I'm like, are you kidding me? And my first reaction was to want to get frustrated. And then I just heard the Holy Spirit say, give me thanks for this car. I was like, oh, yes, Lord. And I did. I started thanking him for my car that was blaring lights, you know, flashing lights at me. Give him thanks. Whatever your situation is. It doesn't mean you're, you're saying that the situation is fun or good or you want it to stay. It's saying, God, I thank you that you are my provider. In any circumstances, you will provide. I thank you that you are still good, even though my car is hormonal. <laughs> it is thanking him, and it's watching in that thankfulness the heaviness lift. The second W is the word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And I could go on and on and on and on with this one. The word of God this, this written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, word of God, holds every answer you need. Everything. 
time and time and time again, God's word has guided me back to truth, guided me back to the path that I am supposed to be on. I've known Jesus my entire life, but that doesn't mean there haven't been times where I have questioned, where I have not known which path to take, and every single time his word gets me back there. It lights up the path. So get into God's word. And I would just challenge you, don't just read it and check the box. Meditate on it. Study it. Get your phone out and get the Bible app and choose a reading um, plan. Get, find ways to, to help yourself study God's word. It will change your life, I promise you. It is living and active. It is not an old word that is void. It is living and active with power to help you in no matter what your situation is, no matter what it is. The third W is wise counsel, and this is twofold. See, Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit, and one of the attributes that he has is counselor. And I love that. And counseling is expensive. And we have it for free. John 14, 26 says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Listen, if you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He gives counsel and wisdom. And you have to listen. You'll get help from him. Maybe you're saying, I, that's great. I know I have him, but I really have trouble hearing him. Like, I don't hear him speak to me. My advice to you is this. Turn off some of the other noise. Turn off some of the other voices. Turn off some of the other things in your life and then put yourself in a place where you can be quiet and listen. Posture your body and your heart to a place where you can listen. Make time for it. You're not going to hear the Holy Spirit speak if you are rushing around like a crazy person, filling every single day with all of the things that we do. You just won't because there will be too much other noise. Take a walk and listen. Sit quietly and listen. Lay in his presence and listen. Try it. I dare you. Stop whining and complaining and arguing long enough for the sound of your own voice to be quiet so the sound of his voice can come in. The second part of wise counsel is that there's so much prote protection from being deceived by false light if you have the wise counsel of people around you. We don't have time to go into all of it today. The clock is already red. But scripture is completely full of examples of this. Go ask for godly counsel. Proverbs says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Go ask someone for their advice. It doesn't mean that you have to take it every time. It just means you're going and you're asking for counsel. The Holy Spirit 
and godly counsel people around you. Those are the three W's. Worship, the word, and wise counsel. Those three things will set you well on your way from distinguishing light and darkness that's masquerading as light. The very last part of this verse is actually what led to this series, and I thought it's where I would spend the majority of my message, but it ended up at the end, and I only had a piece of it. And then I, I was like, well, I could add some stuff, but I just felt the Holy Spirit say, no, don't. And then, and then today, Ike Schaefer was here, and he was praying over all the chairs, and as he was praying, he heard the Lord say something to him and show him a vision. And he came over and he's like, hey, where are you going with your message? And I kind of told him, he's like, okay, well, this, I saw this. I don't know if, like, I don't know if it fits. And it was literally the, the end of this message. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your life, your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. And it was that dark corner part that caught my attention. If you are filled with light with no dark corners. I think it's really easy to overlook dark corners in our life. Especially those dark corners that are way over there. Way over there in the corner. It's easy to ignore it. It's dark over there. It's easy to pretend that we don't need to look at it. Other people might not even be able to see it. But the shadows from that dark corner creep into other areas of your life and actually dim the light that you should have. And it's those undealt with dark corners. It's that little bit of unforgiveness. It's that It's that hidden addiction that we allow to stay in the dark. It's over there. If I just don't look at it, don't acknowledge it. It's those dark corners that keep us from having a life that is flooded from corner to corner with light. And the power that comes with that light. And the freedom that comes with that light. And those dark corners, you might know what they are, but they're pretty easy to miss or they're pretty easy to ignore because everything else, this all looks good. This is, I've got a good marriage, my kids are great, I've got a good job, I'm kind to people, I I tithe, I, 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 I don't look at pornography, I, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on of all of the things that we think are good But then there's that dark corner over there. And this is what Isaac saw. Isaac saw a corner. And he saw some people, I don't think individual people, just people in general. Everybody's like, oh no, was it me? (laughs) In this corner. And they felt trapped. And they felt like there was no escape. 
And they felt like there's no way I'll ever be able to come out of this darkness because there's no way through it. There's no light. And if your head is stuck in a corner and it's dark and you cannot see anything but the dark corner, you feel like there's no hope but Jesus. Jesus is the light and he breaks down walls. He chases away darkness. And what Isaac saw was that corner cracking open and light starting to come through. Not light from over here, light from the dark corner. Light from the thing that you have been feeling shame and guilt over. Light from the thing that has been holding you in bondage. Light from the very thing that you thought was keeping you from light. Do you hear me? The thing that the devil is trying to use against you is actually the thing that God wants to use to set you fully free. And so my question to you today is this. What are the dark corners in your life? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask him to illuminate in your mind what it is that's keeping your whole being from being flooded with light. Maybe it's something you just need to confess with the Lord. Maybe it's something you need to ask forgiveness for and then move on. But maybe it's something you need some wise counsel about. Maybe it's something you need deliverance from. Maybe you need to, to say, I need prayer. I need some people to come around me and lay their hands on me and pray this thing off. Pray this thing out so the light can come through. See, here's what I know. The light of heaven, the morning light of heaven is breaking upon us. Chris had a vision this morning of light coming down into our city. That's what God wants to do. He wants to flood you with light. He wants to fill you with radiant light. But it is your choice. You can stay with the dark corner. Or you can let God smash that open. And let his light flood in. Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for your presence in this room. We are, we are so grateful for your wise counsel, that you speak to us, that you show us things, that you, you intercede for us on the behalf of our Father. Jesus, right now I am asking your, your spirit to illuminate things in each one of our lives that are holding us back that are keeping us from freedom, that are keeping us from our lives being flooded with light. Soften our hearts, Lord. Help us calm the noise and listen. Listen for what you're saying to us. This altar is open. For anyone who wants to come and posture themselves in a position <laughs> where there's no doubt what you're asking for. Where the Father looks down and he says, I see a heart. I see a heart that wants to be whole and healed and set free. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to illuminate 
our lives. We thank you for your presence, Jesus.